Please insert additional coin. It's Jake Lee. You honor me with your presence. Crispy Lee. How can one so tiny hurt so much? Brad Ziegler. He's usually stronger than the average and has a friendly attitude. It's sports unsealed. We will not back down. Game on, everybody. It's Sports Unsealed. Jake Seeley, Chris Meany, Brad Ziegler with you as always. As always, make sure you're following these guys at Chris Meany, at Brad Ziegler. Hopefully you're following me as well, at Only Kid. And make sure you're checking out the podcast app or at the homepage of the website. I know a lot of more, a lot of more, a lot more of you check out the app version, bottom left-hand corner is that little antenna-looking thing, which, by the way, I have this question. If you're on the app, if you open the box once it starts playing at the bottom right-hand corner, that's where you can get the different speeds, jump around an episode and all that type of stuff. So make sure you're looking for that and make sure, hey, something that... I don't know. It sounds like somebody else did it for themselves, but I don't think we've ever had anybody that has a draft kit, which is all audio version. So if you're too busy, if you're in the car, if you're cleaning the house with kids or whatever, you can actually go to the audio version of the draft kit. A lot of the articles are there. More articles are coming. So you can just listen to us. Read the article. I thought it'd be boring. I thought it'd be dumb, but people are loving it. People are. Would either of you guys ever listen to it? on audio like listen to a hair's my sleepers piece and blah 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 and basically just me reading it to you maybe not you reading it to me but i'd like to have well, a nice I mean, you soothing have to voice personalize me out <laughs> well just being honest no uh i i like it i think it's cool and not everybody has time to to read so i mean if you're if you're on the road a lot maybe if you're a runner you go to the gym i mean there's all kinds of you know scenarios where you can just you know pop this pop it on and listen to it I, i'm a big fan i think it's cool have i think it's game changer audiobook on, on like like that no i ha- i haven't personally but i understand you, that Brad? people have yeah I've, I've listened to audiobooks i like them so i they're expensive but <laughs> I, so, I like so them. you'd be in for the draft kit thing yeah for sure See, I, I've never been able to do that. I've, I've tried listening to even like stuff from my church, which is like a 30-minute. I, I missed this weekend. It was a really good message. You should listen to it. And after about 10 minutes, my brain's doing other things. I'm like, well, got to rewind that now. And then, you know, I start doing that. And then it's like, oh, I missed another section. Got to rewind that now. See, that's what happens when I read. Do... That happens to me when I read. I get really distracted. Um, I, have a, I have a hard time staying focused. <laughs> Somehow your eyes are still going and you're flipping the pages and it's like, wait a second, how did I get page 57? Yeah, that's yeah, that's happened to me so many times where I've just read three or four pages and I'm not even paying attention and then it's like, what did I just read? I got to go back now. So yeah, it's uh, I'm, a, I'm all about the audio. <laughs> you know what I'm all about? As we get into fantasy football, because I'm into that. Hey, for everybody out there that's like me, it's wing day. It's national wing day. So wing stop, Ooh. five free wings if you order something. They don't. <laughs> don't promote us or anything like that. I just love Wingstop, so go get some Wingstop today. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's talk fantasy football. You like that? So is that the most random thing I've ever thrown out here? <laughs> never heard of that place, so yeah, I do like it. Well, you're in Canada. You never heard of Wingstop? Nope. He's Dude, Canada. You to... have, have you guys heard of Wild care. Wing? Uh, is like, it Buffalo is it Wild Wing? Fran- is... yeah, no, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, is it like a franchise? Yeah, it's like a franchise. I was gonna say you can't just like, hey, <laughs> you heard about the wing place at the corner of? No, know, it's whatever. no, it's a franchise. It's not just like down the street from me. It's all <laughs> over the place. So yeah, there you go. You haven't heard of that place? Is it the place that Pat always wanted to go to? Yeah, yeah, probably. They have. Like, then have I been there? Then you so have been face. there. Yeah, in my face. I got like several <laughs> hundreds of different kinds of flavors. Not bad. All right, fantasy football yes. in your face. Let's do it. Uh, let's get right into now we were doing divisions i don't know how much afc west we're going to get today because there's a lot of news over this weekend 
AJ Green's arguably the biggest, although there are several pieces here of other pieces of news. Chris, AJ Green sounds like it's six to eight weeks. Sounds like week one is definitely out of question. Week two is in question. Week three might even be in question. Is AJ Green, who was fun in the third round before this, and AJ Green, who has finished as a top five wide receiver before and can be elite. Where are you now? Like, so AJ Green, for reference, and we're going to talk about this a little bit from a different angle, uh, not so much like where did the picks go, but he went in the middle of round five last night in the pros versus Joes that I was in. I considered him at the beginning of round five when I took Godwin. I kind of feel like I should have taken Green. And I mean, if it's even if it's three games, I kind of feel like I should have taken Green. Yeah, I mean, you. I think we had this conversation last week with AJ about how he was falling down draft boards and he was a pretty good value. And, and you know, to your point, you just had that fresh draft. And I think, you know, he'll probably even go even further than that. And, you know, there's already this, you know, a lot of people, already a lot of negative talk around AJ Green before this injury anyways, you know, that he has been injury hurt over prone. the – Yeah, injury prone. I mean, the offense is not great. Um, you know, some question marks falling down draft boards. So – you know, I don't want to say I like him more because I am a little bit concerned for sure. I mean, you have to be, I think, at this point. But if he's going to fall, you know, to the sixth, seventh round, uh, that's somebody that I'm definitely going to take a shot on every single time because, we, as we said last week, he has the upside to, to be a wide receiver one. Um, you know, the, the talk of the field may be another thing. But, you know, Paul Daniel Jr. from the athletic co-host of WARP in Cincinnati, he was talking, you know, he said – Last night, when you were doing, recording the show, he was he was talking about the field, and you know a lot of guys were. Uh, I, I can't believe that. Can you believe? Like this is unreal. Like he had said, what Tyler Boyd? He was talking about Tyler Boyd. Like the field was terrible. None, nobody could run any routes. They were falling all over the place. How brutal it was. There was rocks and pebbles out there. Like that's a disgrace. That's brutal. And AJ said that had nothing to do with the injury, and and Paul said that as well. But even just hearing that is is just it's it's just so awful so I, I feel for AJ and you know the, the players that have to deal with that but um to answer your original question I mean I will take a shot on AJ but I do have some concerns with them now I think it's fair like maybe wide receiver t- early 20s it's kind of where I'll have them okay so I I've had a question here we're we're six and a half weeks from when he had the injury six and a half weeks to to the his first game is it I mean, I know they said it doesn't look good for week one, but if it's six to eight weeks, how is that not even a possibility? Is it not possible that he, he doesn't miss any games? Because we're, I don't know. I, to me, it's, it's, I, I, it seems like to me, like there's a, at least a chance that he could still be ready for week one. And it's not like A.J. Green needs preseason reps to get going. I mean, maybe they, they put him on a little bit of a no, snap count or whatever. Uh, but Your math is off, Ben. That's, uh, six weeks, a full six weeks is including week one. Yeah, he's he's probably gonna miss the first two weeks. Like if it's six weeks, he'll. It's six weeks. Six weeks is this week, all of August. Yeah. The first week of September. Yeah, and I'm sure he'll be limited. Like that first week heading into week one, and I'm sure we'll see limited. You know, all those reports, AJ limited, AJ limited. Uh, but there there really won't be any pressure for them to roll out AJ week one if he's not you know near 100. percent So I think he'll miss a couple games. Right, and that, so and that like, to me, yeah, is actually the, the good thing about this is because it's a, a little more serious than they initially thought and because it's happening as early as it did, maybe they will make sure that they don't rush him back and, and not try to get him back out there week one, week two. If he's not quite ready, wait till he's completely ready and then go instead of having this thing linger into the season because they, they try to rush him back. So, so I, where are you? Where are you? Would you take him? Yeah, I'd take, take, take him in the fifth round. I have no problem. I mean, I... I don't take him in the fourth. Uh, I might, especially toward the bottom of the fourth. Whenever, um, 
you know, I, I know that, that it's going to be, you know, if I, if I don't get him at that four or five turn, it's, it's going to be, um, a long time before I pick again. I, I have no problem with that because I think the upside is there and, and I, I just, I, I'd never project guys when I draft them. I hardly ever think I'm getting 16 games out of this guy. Like that's just not the way the NFL works. Even if they just get banged up and, and miss a game or two here and there, if he, if he does that at the beginning of the season and, and they make sure he's fully healthy, I'm not, I don't hardly ever think guys are going to last 16 games anyways, unless it's a quarterback. So to me, it's not a big deal if he misses a week or two um, as far as like drafting and especially because it's at the front end, as long as he's healthy at the back end of the season, that's what I want. Yeah, but that's, I think, the biggest question for everybody is, is he ever going to be healthy at the back? Is he ever going to be healthy sure. through a season at this point of his career, which is a huge. So I think we all know, because if you're paying attention to Twitter, there was about seven different people that tweeted out the advanced stats of Tyler Boyd is actually worse when AJ Green is off the field and all that stuff. So it, it might only be, a game it might only be two games but just for argument's sake and conversation here chris is like if let's say he has a setback and this ends up being a month into the season or anything like that are you even moving tyler boyd up because of the numbers that we've seen without aj green on the field and the fact that like maybe he's in that mold of receivers we've talked about before who can be a great number two but don't ask me to be a number one and then your interest in John Ross, or you don't even really care about John Ross because A.J. Green is supposed to be back with. Yeah, I don't care about John Ross at all. I mean, he had an opportunity last year to, to be fine, and he, he was. there were some games where he had, like, one catch when he was, like, the, the second option there. I, so I'm not I'm not a fan of him at all. He, he's going to be really – He burned his shoes on fire <laughs> when he ran the 40. Yeah, did he ever. I, I get it. Maybe some appeal. Like, if there was a setback, you're right. I mean, but you're never going to be able to trust John Ross. As a depth piece, to, a free piece in drafts, sure, I understand it. But he's not going to be a target of mine. I'd rather take another shot on, you know, somebody else. But for Tyler Boyd – you're right. I mean, the splits, you know, I saw it all over Twitter as well, but he was still fine without AJ there. I mean, 6.8 targets per game is, is not a lot. 4.2 catches, 67 yards. It's what he had in those five games without AJ, um, the averages, but I won't move him up significantly. I, th- I think where he is is fine. Like, I'm not going to reach on him over Chris Godwin or Calvin Ridley or Cooper Cup. Like, I'd still rather have those guys. But, I mean, the narrative remains the same with the with the Bengals. They're just not going to be a good team, and they're going to be throwing a lot. And I think the guy that we should all be concerned about the most if AJ has a setback is Mixon because teams are just going to say Andy Dalton. Sure. Him too. (laughs) But teams are going to stack the box against Joe Mixon. That's just what's going to happen. Well, hold on. Hold on. Chris, come on. You know me on this show. I know you can't say you stack the boxes. No, no. I know what you're going to say like, Oh, you know, you can, maybe he can break one or two because everyone, I'll give you the straight quote from Emery, who is again, I will say the best scout in the business, who is a former running back says, Please stack the box because that means you only have to make one person miss. Yeah. Now, if you would say, you know, the pass catching will be less, uh, let's say, less efficient because people are so honed in on him. And like, let's be sure, like, uh, tongue in cheek aside, I'm not completely dismissing the stack the box. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, it is fun for a running back because he just has to make one person miss, but it is tougher to make the one person miss when there's eight people in the box. So I, I'm not completely throwing that out. I'm just having, I'm just no, having I agree. a hard time with that. I understand. But, the de- the defensive attention. Let's how about we call it that? The defense's attention on Joe Mixon is going to make things tough. On top of the fact that that offensive line still has issues, Chris. Yeah, it does. It's had issues since they let Whitworth go. I mean, 
two years ago, right? Three years ago now? I mean, that offensive line was pretty solid at that point, and he was gone. And look at the Rams' offensive line and how well it succeeded over the past couple of years. So I, I don't know. I think if we do see a, a sep- I just I'm just out on this whole offense. Let's like, be honest. Like, it's just not, not going to be a good offense. But uh, Tyler Boyd stays the same to me, I, I think. Okay, so so to me, I actually I, – I, I have no problem with Tyler Boyd, whether A.J. Green's on the field or not, because – one thing that people don't remember much about last year, when, when A.J. Green was off the field, Andy Dalton got hurt in Week 12 also, and Jeff Driscoll was the quarterback the rest of the season. That's who Boyd was throwing, having throw to him with, with A.J. Green off the field. So I have, I, you know, and say what you want about Andy Dalton, but he's definitely better than Jeff Driscoll. And, and so I actually think, I, I have no problem taking Boyd um, where his ADP is. I have no problem bumping him a little bit because I think there's still upside there. I mean, this is a guy going into his third year. Bengals just locked him up long-term. I, I legitimately think he's got a really good shot at, at a at a wider a you know bottom end wide receiver one season, um, just because of volume, if nothing else. Yeah. So are you moving Joe Mixon back? Uh, I I don't know. I'm not a huge Mixon fan. <laughs> yeah. I I mean I'm not a huge Mixon fan as far as like the I, I see the potential in the upside. Um, I've got him. I would put him behind Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb before I would draft Mixon. Um, so I, I had, was kind of lower on him than a lot of other people anyways. Um, I'm definitely, I would definitely not touch him in the first round. There are about five receivers I would draft before I would take Mixon. Um, and so it, it's, I basically, I've got him in one, one, uh, best ball league out of like 40 that I've done this year because he fell to like the, the two eight or something. So other than okay. that, I, I, I have no, um, no problem with, with people drafting him higher. I understand the, the upside there, but I just, I, you know, it's kind of like my feelings with, uh, with the Raiders and and I just don't I don't see Josh Jacobs we we I mean we have a one dollar bet on Josh Jacobs and his 240 carries I I have no problem with with Josh Jacobs um I I have no problem with people taking him I just don't think he's going to get the volume that people think he's going to have to be really productive with less volume yeah and I, I feel yeah, the I mean, same way about Mixon yeah you're still crazy but that's fine but <laughs> okay. I'm with you on Mixon Let's talk about more wide receivers and all well, the Giants wide receiver crew just went from eh to holy crap, this is bad. Uh, so Sterling Shepard broke his thumb, but reports are he's going to be fine by week one. Reports are that he could even, you know, work through it in a couple of weeks and be fine for some of the preseason. So but it's still worth noting, as is the fact that Golden Tate has been suspended for the first four games for using a PED, which he made a statement about. If anybody hasn't seen it, he tweeted it from his account, said he wasn't going to talk about it anymore after that. But you can go to his account if you want to see it. Basically saying he was on fertility drugs. Uh, they found out immediately after the fact and are the ones that contacted the NFL to tell them. So all, all that being said is let's just from the football perspective for a second, we'll get to the PEDs and all that separately. But for a football perspective, this is the argument, Chris, we were just talking about with Mixon and people started making it with Saquon Barkley. Like, oh, there's no way I'm taking him number one now because he's going to get stacked boxes. There's nobody. Else, you know. But on the flip side, again, well, Saquon Barkley did fine last year with a worse offensive line, seeing stack boxes, being, you know, the focal point of the offense, who is now going to probably see even more targets with these guys going down. Where are you on Barkley? Are you? Would you take him number one? Were you already off and now you're moving him down 
Um, so I just think he's a different beast. I don't want to contradict myself here in stack boxes, but I just think like Barkley, I think there's a significant <laughs> gap between Barkley and Mixon. And I think, you know, Barkley already saw stack boxes last year. There were times when Beckham wasn't on the football field and the offense wasn't rolling. Let's be honest. The only guy that you had to focus on was Barkley. And I, I think we're going to see a very similar season from him. I know the offense is not going to be great. They're not going to score a lot of points, but I don't want to judge it by that. Like I have some question marks. There's a lot of question marks now all of a sudden, like Zeke, like, do I want to take Zeke number one what the heck's going on with him and then there's Barkley here now in the offense like I was it took me like half an hour to think who was next in line in this offense I forgot all about Cody Latimer and Russell Shepard like it's bad it's real bad with with the Giants this year I understand it but I think we'll see the same sort of play like a ton of targets from Barkley if you're in a PPR league he's probably going to catch close to 100 balls maybe he's not going to be as efficient on the ground but to your point the offensive line is a little bit better I'm fine with him at one I, this doesn't really change a whole lot for me. I think obviously the big winner here is Evan Ingram. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. Like, I think for me at least, he should be that that fourth tight end. He's but that he's next get tier. Double or triple team. Whatever. He's a freak. <laughs> he he really is a freak. And he's already experienced that in his rookie year when Odo Beckham Jr. was sidelined. He had double teams, and and he was just that as a rookie, he was unbelievable. So he's he should be that first in that next tier. I think, you know, he's that first one. I I give him the boost over O.J. Howard and Hunter Henry now. I think, you know, he's in for what will probably be a pretty big season if he can stay healthy. Uh, But, yeah, for Barkley, not a lot changes for him. But, again, this uh, this offense is is not going to be good. So, if you're splitting hairs, you're that type of person – and if Zeke does figure this out in the Cowboys, I would would take him over over Barkley still. Yeah, and I I actually have McCaffrey as my number one running back this year. So, I, I I have Barkley at three. I like him a lot. Um, I think he's going to get an unbelievable amount of volume, but but I would definitely, uh, if it was me drafting right now, I would take McCaffrey, then Zeke, then Barkley, um, and and then you know Kamara right after well, that, obviously. If would you are you saying you would still take McCaffrey even if Zeke didn't have the holdout question? Like if you sign a contract tomorrow, you still yeah, take I would McCaffrey I would take first? McCaffrey over Zeke in a in a PPR or half PPR. I wouldn't I wouldn't take him over in a standard league, obviously, but. Um, but in, in any, when you're getting points for receptions and McCaffrey's going to get 120 targets or something. So, um, I, I have no problem doing well, that. I have, I, so again, I'm, we're splitting hairs with the first four yeah. and, and if somebody wants to even make a case for Kamara, I don't, I don't even really care about that. But, uh, point being, I just was like, I think the Ezekiel Elliott thing, people are dismissing that he caught 77 balls last year. Yeah, they I'm are. not saying you are, Brad. I just, that for the point of. Let's not just throw him out of the like conversation if it's a full point PPR because there's not very many running backs last year that had over 75 receptions. Actually, there was five, and Ezekiel was one of them. So I just bring that up for everybody out there, like because I don't want people to get caught up in what you just said, Brad. I'm not saying you don't know this because you are smart enough and you do know this, but a lot of people just think PPR and it's like, oh, out of the Camara, the Barkley, and McCaffrey, let's just immediately eliminate Zeke not realizing what happened last year. No, and that, that's why I put him above Barkley because he he is a accomplished receiver. So um, it, it's not it's not that I don't like any of these guys. I mean, you, I, I really honestly don't feel like you can go wrong. I don't think you're going to be disappointed with any of them unless one of them gets hurt. So um, it, it's just a preference preference for me. And and I just, I, I like what, you know, the way McCaffrey looks and I think he's still progressing. Whereas I think, you know, Zeke kind of is the back he is now. Barkley, I think is still progressing, um, but he just doesn't have a lot of help around him right now. 
And Jake, you're absolutely right too, because I had a buddy text me the other day and said he landed first pick and he was just like, Barkley's Christian McCaffrey. I'm like, Oh, well, what about Zeke? Like, I know there's some <laughs> stuff going on, but what about Zeke? Ah, he doesn't catch any balls. It's like, well, you, I mean, he had a pretty good season. 77. 77. And, and he had to look and, and he looked and he was like, Whoa. And with, I already looked in it too, like eight regular season games with Amari Cooper, 7.3 targets, 6.5 catches and seven games without Cooper. He only had five targets and 3.5 catches. So his, his work in the passing game actually went up when they got Cooper. And it makes sense. Like, the, the offense was more efficient. They had a threat, you know? Less stacked boxes, just, maybe. Who knows? And uh, that's why they're yeah. the big four. I mean, it's McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, yeah. and Ezekiel Elliott are four of the five. You guys remember who the other one is? The fifth? What, for the catches? Yeah. Um, for more than 75. Connor? Come on. Who's That's all he does. Come on, guys. Oh, James White. You should know this. There you go. Yeah. 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 Did you fall asleep over there, Brad? Like, no, I'm here. I was, I was trying to figure out what you were even asking at first because I was thinking <laughs> Me too. I was five, like, what? Like, we already had this debate of, like, you didn't like David Johnson as a number five running back. So. I know. That's why I said Connor. That's why I was like, Connor? <laughs> so, all right. Yeah. So, on the flip side of this, and I texted you guys, and for everybody out there, I texted Brad because, Brad, and, and your involvement with baseball, your involvement with MLBPA and all that type of stuff. And I didn't retweet you because I don't agree with you, but I do in a way because – it's a tough situation. The reason I tweeted you or texted you just to kind of like get your thoughts because I was curious and we were going to bring it up on the show, but you have a different side of it than we do sitting on the outside looking in. And I can see it both ways. Like I had a deli and I had employees and you punish employees for certain things. And if you, you know, bend the rules for one and what about the others and all that type of stuff. So, you know, my initial reaction and I even tweeted it, Brad, was the fact that I said, you know, look, if he's telling us, like, this is going forward with the assumption Tate is being 100% honest. Let's say that, because without that, now, the entire argument is, doesn't even worth talking about. Because if he's lying, whatever, then who cares? Because he's just trying to cover up PEDs. If he's being truthful, if it was for fertility drug, which this guy just revealed an enormous part of his personal life for everybody, which is, you know, the whole thing on the side. But if he's telling the truth, and he contacted the NFL, and it was a quick thing, and it only happened, and this was six months ago and all that type of stuff. Part of me is thinking, and this is why I texted Brad, was part of me is saying, you know what? If the NFL is ever going to be reasonable in understanding, then this should be just a one game or you know, just drop. I don't want to necessarily drop the entire thing, but there should be some understanding here. On the flip side, I've been in the position of power of saying, like, you know, the rules are the rules are the rules are the rules. So Brad seem you seems you're going the way of the rules of the rules of the rules of the rules and you've played the game you're a part of it so what are your thoughts so so i can tell you i I don't know the ins and outs of the nfl drug program but i can tell you if this had happened in major league baseball there is zero question his suspension is being upheld and the reason is because they they want their they want their testing program to be taken seriously and you can't leave any room for any kind of judgment in this kind of scenario it's black and white did it did it was the the proper protocol uh you know used whenever they were taking the sample when the sample was being you know uh you know shipped or whatever to the testing lab and proper handling if that's the case it doesn't matter because it, it is the it is on the player the onus is always on the player to know what is going in your body before you put it in there and that's that's the way the baseball program starts it's like look if you put anything in there you're responsible for it guillermo mota is, is one of the he it was a, a you know back when the suspensions were were a lot smaller than 80 games but he took a cough syrup 
one of his kids cough syrups in the middle of the night in 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 the off season in the Dominican Republic and he tested positive because of a substance that was in the cough syrup and that's that didn't happen in America because the the over the counter cough syrups don't have this ingredient or whatever right. but he that's he had to, stuff. yeah he had to be suspended for it he had to accept it and they knew based on the ratio of of that uh, uh, they tested the cough syrup and the ratio of that substance in that cough syrup was the exact same ratio, uh, the amount that it would, it would make sense to where it does the exact same that came up in his, his test sample. It didn't matter at that point. Like he had to, it's, you know, he can justify it to everybody else saying, look, I wasn't trying to cheat and everybody can believe him. He still had to eat the suspension. And I feel like it's the same but way with golden Tate. You have to know before you it? ever put it in your body. But uh, so is is that is, do you feel that way? And I'm not trying to. If you're in a position where you can't really say, like, just say, I do I because say, if you let's say let's say they take a suspension away, at that point okay. every single football player is going to go and and get some kind of fertility drug. Then they're going to immediately tell the NFL, "Oh, I took this or whatever," because you still get the benefit for it. You don't know how long the benefit will last. It depends on how much you took and and what it is. But there is still benefit for it. And if they can find a way to say like, oh, Golden Tate got off, I can get off too. There is no question that this is, everybody would take advantage of it. It'd be exploited. And and so that's why I feel like it has to be black and white if they want their program taken seriously. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I mean, I think it's just a tough situation, unfortunately. Like if, if Tate is telling the truth, and I don't want to say that he's not telling the truth. Uh, it's just it's just a bad situation. And I agree with Brad. I mean, if you let him off, then, I mean, you're going to see other players go down this road. And unfortunately, like, that's – it's too bad that to even say that and, and, to, and to say that players would do it. But, you know, they would. It's just the truth. They really would. So, uh, it's – again, it's very unfortunate. I believe Tate. Um, but, yeah, you have to – Again, you just have to be cautious of what you're putting in your body. I guess you just you have to be aware, and yeah, it's a, it's it's yeah. tough. And it, I, I will I say just... this: if it's if it's fertility rated, there's probably a really good chance that it's actually testosterone related, and that's that can be a huge booster for any kind of muscle gains, whatever. So um, I I don't know that for sure, and I and I agree with with Chris. I I definitely believe his statement because he is opening up a, a huge amount of his personal life. Yep. It's it's embarrassing at that point, but he's trying to clear his name right. and make. Make sure people know he wasn't trying to cheat. I completely believe that, and I like Golden well, Tate. It's not anything. He just personal. had a kid too, I believe, a couple months yeah, ago. Well, I was gonna say, forget fertility drug. Well, that's probably why he had a yeah. kid. I was gonna yeah, yeah. say, but forget the drugs. Just go find out what Antonio Cromartie was doing in his time. I mean, I'm sure he, <laughs> whatever he had, he was doing just fine. What was it? What was it? 14 kids with like eight different women or something? I or can't seven? keep up with that. It was, yeah, it's a lot. I know it was over a dozen, and I know there was a lot of women involved. So he didn't. <laughs> uh, he either was on a lot of fertility drugs or didn't have any problems. Uh, Speaking of problems, <laughs> Derrick Henry in a walking boot. And the reports were like, oh, it's not that serious and he should be fine. But he's in a walking boot. And then you get other reports that saying, oh, it might be more serious. Like, of course, we're not going to ever probably get the real truth until we see him missing preseason games and then whether or not he gets on the field and what he looks like, Chris. But remember last week when my guys involved Deion Lewis and his high ownership percentage on all my teams because nobody wanted to draft him? Well, that time is done. Yeah, no kidding. Lewis, is, or, uh, he's going to jump up the board uh, probably a couple rounds or so. And people were just shying away, all the drafts as well. I've had some shares, and it's because, you know, he's just fallen to a point where we've said this before. You have to take what the draft gives you. I don't – like, I, people can say this is not serious all you want, but you're right, Jake, and I sense it in your in your voice and your tone there. He's in a walking boot. So right. it is that a little serious. Like, I – 
you can't just brush well, that hold aside. On. I know what you're gonna say, Brad. Hold on. I know they slapped the walking boot on everybody, but everybody. Like, yeah. But he's still in one. So he's not right. 100%. But that's what I'm saying. He, the, was, the alternative is he's sitting day. all the time because they want to take pressure off of it, depending on you know what the injury is. Like we don't know, but that all that does is relieve some of the stress on his foot while he's walking around. And and all it to me, it's not a big deal. The walking boot's not. I don't know what the injury is. It could be serious, but the fact that he's in a walking boot means nothing to me because all that's doing is just taking some some stress off of his foot and. And I, any injury like well, that. Okay, well, if you're no drafting, Brad, if you're drafting tomorrow, or if you're drafting right. next week and, and Henry's still in a walking boot, are you taking him at the end of the third? Uh, Not at the end of the third. I'd That's take him in the fourth. I, I'd take him in the well, fourth, so, so, but I, I wouldn't so, take him in the third. But that's the question. Hold on, hold on. I want to go back to Brad on this because he, he is the professional athlete of the show. I want to go back to the fact that, like, I'm with you. With a walking boot the day of is, like, that's what they do to you. It's like you get slapped in a walking boot. There's any concern. The fact that he's still in a walking boot today – is, is that – are you saying he would just stay in it until they're ready to roll? Because it seems I, like the fact that he's still still in it is the problem. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the the thing for me, they probably want him out there watching the reps, watching – you know, he's got a, a new offense, right, that they're they're installing there. So um, they want to make sure that – little knee carts at Walmart and roll yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that would be way worse. Like, I'm telling you right now, if, they, if you saw him on that, that would be way worse. Um, the fact that he's able to to put any weight on it to begin with, even if they're they're being cautious with it, to me, if this doesn't if this lasts more than maybe ten days, that's when I would start to get concerned. But the first week to ten days to me is not a big deal because they're they're just trying to make sure that he doesn't do something stupid okay. walking around on on you know on the campus or if you know say or say he's you know watching practice and he gets a little too close and someone rolls up on him, he's got protection around it. And and to me, it's just not a big deal. All right, fair enough. Yep. All right, so fourth round, uh, just for your reference, you're, we brought it up, Chris. Deion Lewis jumped into the ninth round of that Bros versus Joes last mm. night when he was like 13, 14, and free because we brought him up last week. Like People weren't even drafting him as a handcuff. It's so funny is people overrate handcuffs every single year, yeah. and then nobody still wanted Deion Lewis. It's like, I, I, it made no sense to me. But, again, that's all out the window, and that's why we continue to update our rankings and our draft kit. I, advice and all that type of good stuff throughout the entire year because that's out the window now. So let's talk about cap news in general. What is your guys' opinion? Because I have a very strong one when it comes to camp news. And actually, Chris Harris, I was on his podcast last week as a guest, and he's on the same page. I feel like we're probably all going to be on the same page with this. But the example I'll give are some of the names thrown out so far. Like you hear, you know, John Brown's catching a ton of deep balls from Josh Allen and looks amazing, and you can't believe you know this, that anybody would doubt he's the best receiver in this team. <laughs> Miles Boykin <laughs> looks amazing because Marquise Brown isn't out there, and you know he's just been connecting and everything they thought he'd be. Emmanuel Butler is making news for the Saints and potentially could leapfrog Trey Quan Smith and all this. And then Maurice Harris is looking like the best receiver, not named Julian Edelman for the pay. Like we hear this and it's not everybody's in the best shape of their life. Let's be clear. It's specific names that are getting thrown out there for things. Chris, when you hear these, does it influence you at all in your draft? Does it affect your rankings? Do you, you know, take a flyer on somebody like Maurice Harris, who you weren't taking a flyer on before? No, I, I don't take too much stock into, into any of this. Guys are in pads, and nobody can be stopped. I saw I saw a tweet from a Bears beat writer. It was just like, look at Montgomery. He's the best Bears back ever. Like, look, he's breaking tackles. What tackles? Like, nobody's even trying to tackle him. <laughs> and Antonio Brown tweeted yesterday his, his little four-year-old kid out there running around, like, running routes. Like, that's what everybody looks like. You can't be stopped. He looks awesome out there. Yesterday, too, Ronald Jones. Like, try to stop Ronald Jones. He can't be stopped. It's 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 unreal to me. Like, I, I take little, little stock. What I like to hear is things like, 
okay, Balazs is running with the first team and not Kenyon Drake. Like, little things like that is what I'm more intrigued. When Williams comes out, who's the next guy? Okay, it's Carlos Hyde who is running with the first team offense. Those are things I like I, to hear. I not really that, wish you would have said that. Yeah, not that John Brown can <laughs> – I know that John Brown can run fast, and I know that Josh Allen can throw really far. I was with a Bills buddy this weekend, and he won't stop talking about John Brown. He's like, don't you remember? Brown was like wide receiver eight in the first few weeks of the season. Like, yeah, he was. And I understand the upside is going to be there. Brad likes to mention best balls. Brown is the perfect kind of guy for best balls. You're never going to be able to roll out Brown consistently and have confidence as a wide receiver three. He's more of a flex guy. He's more of, okay, you're on bye week. You're in a pinch. You need to start somebody, and you just don't know what you're going to get with him. So I, I take little stock into all this. I want to pay attention to the rookies and where they're running with the with the offense and, and who's stepping in, but not a lot of reports have changed my, my mind so far. Yeah, I – I the only thing I ever look for is negative stuff if a guy's having trouble with drops because that's a confidence thing that could linger a little bit um, or if he's it, it just you know it looks like he's inept running routes especially with a young guy that that we haven't seen you know against NFL coverage um, this is what we expected from John Brown we we know they signed him because Josh Allen's got one of the best arms in NFL history and this is what John Brown does he runs down the field past everybody and and yeah, they might connect like, but you said it like, you're not gonna be able to rely on him week to week because you just never know what you're going to get out of this offense. Um, and, and him in general, when you're a big splash player, a big splash play player, you're, you're not a guy that you want to roll out there every single week. You know, you're a bi-week replacement and you hope for that, that long shot. Um, you, you mentioned they're not in pads yet. That to me is the biggest key. Defenses can't do what they want to do right now because they're a lot of these teams are not in pads. I did see um earl thomas leveling somebody you know with the with the ravens and everybody making a big deal about it so at least there there is some hitting going on but it, i don't think it's consistent i know the chiefs haven't been in pads yet you mentioned damian williams it, i you know i talked to somebody who said like it's not a big deal he had a little tweak they set him out like it's he's sitting out today it's you know carlos Hyde is going to be skyrocketing up draft boards i love this because i'm going to now be able to get damian williams in the third round of, of best balls this week well hold I, on. so um go ahead no, I, I just I, I just think that's immense value because I think he could easily finish at the you know the top twelve overall fantasy players. No, I was saying hold on because I want you to go to a new point. Uh, so okay. I'm glad you said that. And when I said Chris, I'm, I'm mad that you said that is because I don't want to come after you for anything. But <laughs> I'm saying this is in I learned it myself. I didn't know this from day one or whatever. So I'm gonna there's another one I'm gonna tell you from Emory's side of things. And again, if you if you want a wealth of knowledge. I'm telling everybody out there, go read his stuff. Try to talk to him on Twitter. He'll engage you. Just watch his videos and stuff because I the same thing. So both of you guys said stuff, but from different things about somebody running with the ones and Carlos. Has so Amory said it means nothing, Chris. It, it literally means nothing. He goes, because when you see the running with the ones, I mean, it's running with the ones when we get to the second preseason game. Is he out there with the starters? That's what you want to know. He's saying for right now and what you see from every team every single offseason and why this is another piece of information that we can just ignore like Balage, is because you need to evaluate the player and you're not going to evaluate the player running with the threes. You're not going to evaluate the player truthfully sure. with the twos. So, so they have to, especially rookies or young players, they have to run with the first team offense because otherwise you're not getting a proper evaluation. So... That's where, like, like I was say two, three years ago, same thing. I was like, oh well, he's running with the ones. I gotta move him up my draft board. He's gonna be the one. And that's where we can fall into the traps of uh, we're all agreeing in general here is 
most 90% of the preseason news, I, I kind of lean with what Brad says. I look for the negatives. I look for somebody struggling with drops. Somebody is struggling to learn the offense. Uh, what a surprise. Hakeem Butler is not looking good so far. Uh, that doesn't shock me at all. He's Devin Funches. And then Devin Funches, but he's, you know, so all these type of things. But you can find nuggets if you know where to look. Uh, I would just not get caught up in the running with the one. I, I agree with that 100%, but I think in a situation like that, it's not like Balazs is a rookie, and we've had some question marks with Kenyon Drake before, and we've just blamed Adam Gase for all of them. Maybe maybe, oh, there's, right, right. maybe there's no, something there with right. Kenyon Drake. There might be something there where Balazs is the lead, Oh, and there might be because they are trying to evaluate him. You're yeah. correct in that, and I agree with you. I think that what a lot of people, I'm not saying you did, but over the weekend you saw it. You saw it from tweets. You saw it because that's Matthew Berry's guy. You saw it in draft rooms is running with the ones, mm-hmm. the general fan assumption clicks and says, oh, he's now going to be the starter. I agree. When it's yeah. not, it's just the door is open. And I think that that you're not saying Balazs is the starter. You're just saying the door is open for him to take the job. For sure, yeah. Potentially. All right. So one piece of baseball news that we do have to talk about, because there are people out there still fighting fantasy baseball, and there's still what another full month plus to go. Uh, Marcus Stroman. this is so much fun oh god i'm so glad i can't get mad at the mets anymore um the mets traded for marcus stroman and they they uh they they threw the coup on the trade trade deadline and said you know what we haven't traded Syndergaard yet we don't have a dealer a dealer a dealer for wheeler a dealer (laughs) for wheeler yet we're gonna just go get marcus stroman and trade two of our pieces and the funny thing is chris it's not that it's just amusing because the Mets are completely out of it. It's not just amusing because they turn into a buyer despite trying to be a seller at the same time, although it still sounds like they should be, still trade Wheeler, although the Syndergaard talks have cooled. It's that part of it. The Syndergaard, So even the Mets winning, which, you know what, this is a good deal if you look at the prospects they gave up. Like Just take that on the surface and the fact that they're not a contending team. Just take this as a trade in and of its own right. The value for what they gave up because Stroman is still controlled through 2020 is a good deal. The Mets of the Mets being the Mets, Chris, is that they set their own market, and now people are saying they're not going to get proper value for Syndergaard and have to hold on to him because they set the market so low with Stroman that now the Padres don't want to give up the prospects the Mets were asking for in the first place. <laughs> yeah, I actually never thought of it that way. I know the market's kind of been they set. They screwed themselves. And they, hold on. I forgot <laughs> that about the part. It was the Joel Schirmer tweet. They're trying to screw over the Yankees. Yeah. And I tweeted this out, and it got like 100 likes because it's true. The Mets are the team in your fantasy football league that drafts five quarterbacks and be like, ha, 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 I'm screwing you guys. <laughs> no, you're not. You're just making your team worse. Yeah, I, that's a – I mean, I never really looked at it that way, but you you bring up, up a good point for sure. I, The Mets are a weird team. This was a weird trade. I think that the Jays um, – you know, I was surprised. I thought they could have got more for Marcus Stroman. I like Stroman. I Everybody think he's did. Yeah, I think he's a fine pitcher. He's a ground ball pitcher. Flirts with a 60% ground ball rate for his career. Pitches in a tough environment. Now goes to one of the better environments in baseball. Uh, he's been good. He's been pretty steady all year. I mean, he's a top 10 ERA. He's tied with Garrett Cole, a 2.94 ERA. He's been really good this season. He steps into that rotation, and all of a sudden, like if you do, if the Mets do keep Syndergaard and Wheeler, and you and you stack him up with Degrom, like that's what is he their fourth? I mean, he's having a better year than Syndergaard and Wheeler. So, like, really, you to put him on there, he's not your second best pitcher, but at he's at least your third. Yeah, he's your third. Well, or your fourth. No, so, but that's the question. So let's spin this fantasy while you're, you're while you're answering the question. Still, is knowing that the Mets have one of the worst infield defenses 
defenses in the league, mm. and what is Stroman, yeah. the ground ball pitcher, are you considering selling high if you own him in fantasy? Uh, no, no. I mean, the Jays are not great defensively either, so, I mean, he was fine there. Like I said, I mean, he goes to a great ballpark, and now he gets to face a pitcher, you know, every few at-bats too, so, uh, instead of the DH. So, uh, I like it. I think he's fine. I- interesting to see what the Mets do. Yeah, I mean, th- did, they, did this set the market? Now what's going to happen with Syndergaard, Wheeler? Are they just – I think it's a good trade, though. Like you said, it's – it's two it's mid-level trade, prospects. They, One guy's getting lit up in triple, triple A. They still can't win. I think they're out of it. I, I personally don't think that they can. Yeah, oh, it's I only meant, six I meant games like back. Even overall, they win a trade and still somehow lose because, because they set their own because market. Because they set their own market. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of days, whatever they want to do. But I think it was a great trade from their standpoint because you, you keep Stroman. Like you said, he's under control and you look to the future. But, yeah, they're a weird team. I mean, do they feel like they still have a chance and they feel like they need to do something because they did the Cano and Diaz trade, which really hasn't worked out so far. That Both of those no. guys have been very disappointing. Hellenic's been awesome. And the two pitchers that they gave up, Anthony Kay and Woods Richardson, supposedly profile as number threes, but we saw yeah. What happened when Travis Darnarl left this team? And watch, they're going to turn into aces now. Oh yeah, I don't know. Mets are comical. Yeah. yeah. So to me, this is I. I know that's the way it appears, and maybe even the Padres say that, like they're trying to drive the price down on Syndergaard or whatever. But the bottom line is, it. If I was the Mets, I hold strong and say, do you want Syndergaard or not? And if you want Syndergaard, then you know Mackenzie Gore, whoever you're looking for, has got to be in this deal. And otherwise, we'll just hang on to him and we'll we'll keep him here next year. It's not like he's a free agent after the year. Like they're they're completely fine uh, hanging on to him. So um, I to me, it's um, I, I think this is the Padres trying to drive the price down even more, getting this out there publicly. But it, it, it may like if I'm the Mets, I I hold strong and just say, look, do you want him or not? Otherwise, we'll you know we'll we'll hang on to him or someone else will pay it or whatever. But if you know, there's no reason for them to sell low on him. Agreed. If, because they it, they have no problem having him for next year. It's not like the Blue Jays who are just in full blown. You know, we we got to get whatever we can for anybody that's making any kind of money next year. And and the Mets are not that way. They don't care if they got to pay Syndergaard whatever he's making next year because they're they they probably feel like they have a shot to win next year. No, they feel like they have a shot every year. I mean, I already saw the tweets after this. Like, look at the perspective rotation of the 2020 Mets and the lineup if everybody's – like, when has anything ever – it's not even 50-50 go right and go wrong, Chris. Like, when has anything even gone, like, 30% right for the Mets? Like, we're really counting – on a lineup being healthy, but both pitching and like, come, yeah, they've had great rotations before in the past that you know it's ha- it hasn't worked out. Whether it was you know Wheeler, Syndergaard, or Mats, all three of those guys have been hurt. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they head into the season next year with a rotation that's I don't know what they do. I think Wheeler is the guy that's more likely gone to be honest than Syndergaard. But if they head into rotation with Syndergaard or next season with a rotation with Degrom, Syndergaard, and maybe Wheeler but for sure Stroman I think that's a that is a pretty solid three but where my problem is with this team is their offense like I just don't I just don't like their offense no, I mean if, if they're Jed, Jed Lowry worked out so well oh yeah if they're potentially okay having Syndergaard next year why not if you don't get what you want right now why not take it to the offseason and then yeah. open up the the bidding to a lot more teams oh, of like course. They're, yeah, well, of yeah course. this well, is not that's a the, that's what that's why I was joking him from the jump off, Brad, is because in typical Mets fashion, it wasn't even trade Syndergaard last offseason. It was like, let's trade. He's the, they're the, they are fantasy owners. They're trying to trade Syndergaard at his absolute lowest value and still want the top value, which if that's what you want and want to get, like you just said, you're not going to be able to get it now. You can't pick to choose him right now when he's got over four ERA and say, yeah, I still want first round value for Syndergaard or whatever for the comparison being. But yeah, Top prospect, uh, yeah. Yeah. So... 
Uh, real quick, let's talk about the pros versus Joes I did last night just for two different reasons. Again, I don't really want to go through my team. You guys don't care about mine. Uh, we've done ADP talk, and we'll continue to do ADP talk. There's two reasons I want to bring this up. One is the first, because we are doing the AFC West. So let's talk about the Chargers real quick, because we have already talked about Melvin Gordon and his situation. Melvin Gordon really, really starting to you know, dig his heels in. So are the Chargers. Apparently, they're between 2 and $3 million apart per season and what the offer is from the team and what he wants. And if you go by my random crazy-ass dream last night, Melvin Gordon's never coming back because Melvin Gordon was in it and we were talking and he said he's never coming back. So that was weird. Although then Michael Thomas walked in and said, I appreciate you having me on the show when I came out of college. I'm not kidding you. This is my dream. This is my whack, crazy dream. He also needs a new contract. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, they both do. So Melvin Gordon, I thought was interesting because he went as the third pick in the second round before Chubb, Damian Williams, Dalvin Cook, Todd Gurley, Josh Jacobs, Kerry and Johnson. And you can go down from there. I'm surprised he went as high as he did, Chris, because I feel like we're getting to the point where it's starting to feel a little bit like Le'Veon Bell and the fact that he might hold out the six or whatever games is, but he holds out to still get his year into free agency, eight. but he's not playing. Yeah. It's an eight. It's eight, yeah. It's basically the same as Kareem Hunt is is the potential. So, um, to me, so he I, just I, needs eight, and he still gets his free agency. Correct. He's got to be on the on the roster for eight. So, um, I I'm avoiding him at all costs right now because I think there's a legit chance he does skip the eight games and and then comes back, gets what he needs to make sure his contract doesn't toll and and you know. But I don't. I don't want anything to do with the guy at the beginning of the season on my roster that I have to sit and hold, no matter what the upside is for the second half. I unless I can get him at an extreme value, and I can't do that in the top four rounds. I I need my top four round picks to be playing and and to be productive. Everybody that took Le'Veon Bell last year, even when it was right before the season, and, and you're you're like maybe he's dropping to the second round because he's still holding out. He might miss a few games. You got burned like crazy, and I don't want that. You know, even if Bell had well, played half the season on, when you're taking him on. that high, even if you're but even hold if you on. played half the season. Wait, 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 hold on, Brad. Hold on. Hold on, hold on. Like <laughs> he said, hold on. The, I know, no, no, you're right. No, I'm agreeing with you, and I want you to continue. I'm just saying we got to remind everybody. Remember that whole he could still sit out the entire year and get his eligibility. Like that was not truth. That was not broken. That wasn't news at that time. So the worst case scenario, people were drafting him, expecting to still getting still getting Le'Veon Bell for half the season. Yeah, true, and and it's it's also possible that I mean Melvin Gordon's. I mean, I would say he's he's at least somewhat injury prone. So even when he comes back, having not played the, the, you know, the first half of the season, it's very possible that, that you don't even get eight games out of him. So um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm completely out. I was kind of, you know, he, he came up as number 34 in the, the NFL networks, top 100 last night. And, and they said another member of the chargers on the countdown. That was how they introduced it. And I, I responded to him and I said, it's a little bold calling him a current or to currently call him a, a quote unquote member of the chargers. And he responded to it. He saw the, the tweet and he was like, go on now, you know, like kind of like <laughs> play it up what or whatever. And, said? Yeah. I had trouble. I, well, yeah, so I, th- so I'm assuming. So two things, Brad wants to drop the fact that Melvin Gordon responded to his tweet. And yeah, absolutely. I was like, yeah, whatever. He sees a check mark, he goes after me. So uh, that, that was pretty good, I'll admit. But I still, it did take me a second to try and figure out what the heck that tweet said. Seconds. <laughs> I still don't understand what it said. Yeah, and then even gone, if he's saying go on, on now, I, I'm, I'm assuming he's just saying like, come on, you know, play it up. I think he meant go on now, and even then, you know. But but I I just said like. I, you know, I'm a Chiefs fan. I love busting, you know, Chargers, Raiders, and, and Broncos any chance I get. Um, and at the same time, 
they it, you just don't know what you're gonna get and and maybe he just hurt his leverage by sending that tweet to me because they're like oh you know he's saying keep talking it up as if he's like you know what I'm, I'm actually not gonna hold out you can say all you want right now but i'm i'm gonna be back and i'm still on the chargers or whatever so that maybe the chargers see that and they're like yeah we don't you know we'll just hold strong he'll come back just kidding but they at the same time they I, I just I want nothing to do with him because of the possibility that half the season's gone, and even then he may. There's no guarantee for any running back that that they're going to play, you know, week to week. You just never know. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with him either. And and just looking at that draft board, I don't want to say any names, but yeah, I mean, you know, after drafting Melvin Gordon, you know, you, you back it up with security with Leonard Fournette. I mean, it can be in a really tough spot. Well, yeah, we talked uh, about that this season for never sure. Do that. Uh, Melvin, I know it's just. You could win a fantasy championship without Melvin Gordon on your team. You really can. And to Brad's point, I agree with everything he said. If you're going to take him in the second round, you could really hurt yourself. Uh, I just don't think it's it's worth the risk. Like, And he is a little bit injury prone. You're right. I mean, he's had injuries. He's, he hasn't played a full season over the past couple of years. So I, he's, an, he's an easy pass for me, an easy fade. And hearing Phillip Rivers talk over the past few days, if they blew it up proportion in other sites, yeah, I that's fine. It probably they probably did, but the fact he did say they're pretty deep at running back, and it just feels like you know they'll move on without him. Um, you know they're a very skilled team. Obviously, they'd like to have Melvin Gordon on their squad, but I don't think they're in a rush to to hand over the money that he wants. And especially we've seen it. We've talked about this before with. Todd Gurley's contract, like, that's looking really bad now, too. I mean, and Le'Veon Bell holds out. Like, Zeke wants all this money. Like, these backs want to get paid, but the truth of the matter is this position is is a little bit undervalued, and it's starting to continue to be undervalued as as we go on. So he's an easy they, he's an easy. And favorite. they they won games. They won in Kansas City last year. And I, I know I bring up the Chiefs a lot. That's – I, I – I watch the red zone channel when the chiefs are not playing, but that being said, they won in Kansas city last year without Melvin Gordon on the team. He was hurt and they run in Justin Jackson as their, their primary back. They beat Kansas city in Kansas city. So they probably feel like as long as these other guys are healthy, we can still win games and be competitive. And then at some point we'll get him back and, and, you know, he could be a league winner, you know, if he does sit out eight games and come back uh, from a fantasy standpoint, but I I don't, I honestly don't think the Chargers are concerned. No, I think he could be a league winner in real life too, and that's I think that look both things can be true in the fact that running backs have the least diminishing returns for replacement value, but at the same time you can still also say having elite level running backs do make a difference. Yes, and so it's, it, it is both. Like, you know, let's look at some of the teams. Like, if we do really think Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott both missed the entire season, that the backups are going to help that offense anything close to what they are? No, no. but it's. It is the easiest position to replace, but there is still something to be said for the elite running back. So the last part about this, and we'll get out of here on this, and AFC West will be fully covered the rest of the way, finish up on the Chargers Woo-hoo. and get all the rest of them. We might spend the entire time on the Chiefs from the sound of things with Brad. <laughs> but we're yeah. going hit to hit them on Wednesday. <laughs> the thing I want to get out of here is for draft strategy that everybody's out there because everybody's always like – you see these questions every single year. Uh, should I take running back, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver? Should I take two in the first three rounds? Should I take this and the whatever? And I always say the same thing is don't go in with a set plan. You can never go in with a set plan because you have to be able to adapt to the draft. You never know what's going to happen, ever. And we don't know, even in a tight end premium league like this one, Travis Kelsey at four, okay, that makes sense. A lot of times he's going six or seven. But you just never know what's going to happen because you didn't know that Melvin Gordon was really going to go there and the fact that somebody was going to double down on tight ends. I bring all that up to say this. If you look at my team, I hate it as much as you do. I'm going to admit that. I don't <laughs> like this team at all. And it just was I got screwed multiple times by the flow of the draft. I was at the number two pick. So I'm basically 
almost on the turn. I'm subject to significant runs. This is why we preach auctions every single year because you don't have to worry about that. You have to adapt to the draft. And everything was going fine. I was I was happy. I didn't mind getting Geis as my third running back in the sixth round and then Will Fuller. As though I hate him, this is still best ball. So I'm okay with Will Fuller as my fourth wide receiver. Everything's going fine. I was even okay with the fact that I drafted two tight ends in a row because it's tight end premium. I got Walker and Mark Andrews back-to-back. The thing that happened was a couple runs after that screwed things over and the fact that I ended up with Ben Roethlisberger. And then by the time the turn came back around, every single quarterback except for Stafford, Mariota, and Carr were off the board. So I was like screw it like I'm not drafting one of those as my second quarterback here I'll try to find my advantage elsewhere and that's the point I want to make and get your guys opinion on is because it's the value-based drafting you draft on value you draft what's there on the board but at the same time you have to adapt and sometimes if you're going to be deficient somewhere and that's what it is only having Ben Roethlisberger even if I drafted Ben Roethlisberger Mar- Marcus Mariota comparison wise to the rest of the teams I'm in a deficiency at quarterback there's no question about it on the flip side so what do I do I double tap defenses. Do I love doing it? No. Do I actually kind of hate it? (laughs) Yes. But I double tap the Chicago defense and the Jaguars defense back to back in rounds 14 and 15 and started to absorb the upside wide receivers like Deshaun Hamilton, Miles Boykin, Debo Samuel, Albert Wilson took flyers on Ty Johnson later. So that's how this team ended up. I hate it for that reason. The one thing I do love, Chris is it's a best ball. I don't care that I threw 150 points out the window. I just want to be able to brag to my breath is gone, the fact that I ignored kicker altogether despite being a best ball. <laughs> yeah, you did. I see that. Um, 30, t- 30 kickers went. Um, zero of them went to me. And zero of them went to you. <laughs> and and you know what? I like your defenses in Chicago and Jacksonville. Those are like the, and Baltimore. Yeah, and Baltimore. Baltimore yeah, I was just going to say. And then and you see, went that's Baltimore. my thought process. It's like I can make up the quarterbacks because – if things break right, where I gained my advantage back yeah. is I should get about 15 points at least per week from a defense. Absolutely. I was just going to say that one of those defenses every single week will step up and have um, you know a primetime performance for you. It's amazing. Yeah, the runs that happen, uh, it's usually quarterbacks or tight ends is what you usually see in drafts because for the most part, you know, the running backs will go in the first round, wide receivers, it is what it is in those first couple rounds, but I was looking between 10 and 11 there, 12 quarterbacks went. And if you include round 13, yep. 17 quarterbacks went in that span, which is crazy. So, yeah, you're right. You bring up a good point. You have to adjust. You don't go in with a mindset of thinking, oh, I'm going to draft a quarterback here and a tight end here. Um, you know, if you miss out on some of those runs, you just take – again, you just go – say say there's a quarterback, so do what you did. Or you just – Wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. You take the value there, and then you just figure it out later on in the draft. So, yeah, don't go in. And just – I would say just if you're new to drafting, just do lots of mocks. And, and sometimes they won't be crazy like that with runs, but just take a little bit of a different approach. Uh, try it out with backs first. Try it with wide receivers first. Take a quarterback in the first few rounds first and see what your team looks like or wait it out. And just – that's the best way to prepare, I think. Mock draft, mock draft, mock draft. Yeah, and I, I think I was actually – I think you did a really good job with Nick Foles in, in the 17th Agreed. round because he was the last guy who was with, without question the, the starter for the full season if he's healthy that was remaining on the board and no quarterbacks went in the 16th round. Like there was some risk there that like, what if someone just grabs Foles because he's the last guy? Everybody else is, it's Eli Manning or Dwayne Haskins or Ryan Fitzpatrick, like guys that you don't know if they're going to be the guy for the full season or not. 
and, and you were able to still get a second quarterback. I, I like Roethlisberger still this year. I think he, he's going to be fine. Foles is kind of more of like the solid guy. He's probably not going to put up the 40-point games, um, but he's going to give you 20 to 25 a week or whatever. And I think you're totally fine at quarterback, and and I don't even think you punted that much uh, by by having Roethlisberger as your starter. So I really like your team. I Getting Albert Wilson in the 21st round to me is a huge value pick because I think he could be a, a, a wide receiver three at a minimum. And you got him as like your your seventh wide receiver, eighth wide receiver. So um, it's very possible that, that especially in a best ball with Ryan Fitzpatrick chucking balls, um, you know, there, there is no telling what kind of weeks that those guys might have in Miami. And, and he may have some monster ones. You got your boy Hamilton, 100% no, shares. <laughs> no, not quite. I, I told you. So, oh, so mocks so far. People snipe me because they know it's my, like Jamie Eisenberg does it on purpose. Every time. Like Jamie, Jamie, like every draft we're in together, it's it's the roundabout or like another very close to where I'd be taking somebody, and he does those things just to get me. <laughs> That's what's fun about it. So, all that being said, we will talk more strategy. You can tweet at us, and we'll do our best to respond. And maybe start some mailbag next week. Next week, as in Monday, mm, yeah. do like kind of a mailbag Monday, like everybody does, because it's you know the cliche. But we'll do it. Maybe get some of your questions. But in any case, make sure you're following Chris Mini at Chris Mini. Make sure you're following Brad Ziegler at Brad Ziegler. And I'm at Allen Kid. And we'll be back on Wednesday. Break down the FC West and Brad's favorite. Mm-hmm.